back with y'all it's the eighth episode like we said man and it's been a lot going on since the last episode we got the libs are in power so everything's fine <clears throat> everything is fixed <laughs> no more coronavirus no more environmental issues no more racism no more transphobia it's all it's all fixed y'all so i'm excited yeah we got trans service members in the the green zones around the u.s right now Excellent. things are looking quite good yeah everything's Absolutely. fixed yeah, this is progress. This is what Dr. King was talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is what Dr. King was talking about. This is exactly what, you know, Malcolm X would have wanted. He's nodding from the sky. He's like, yeah. This, yeah. Huey P. Newton is overjoyed. <laughs> Not Huey. He's like, well, now I get dragged into this. <laughs> Huey, like, the fuck? Infinity's <laughs> fucking liberals? Are you crazy? But yeah, so we're going to jump into this wild ass news, man. Yeah. So, Ashley, did you want to go ahead with the international news? No, I do international. Oh, sorry, the case. No, you're good. Don't like, don't don't throw that on Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) She was I could feel her. I could feel her go, what? She was like, what? Please don't. I said, what? That's a a lot of shit. (laughs) Our fearless leader got us all mixed up. Okay. So, uh, don't worry. I got you, Ashley. No, you're good. You're good. So the case is going to jump in. All right. Uh, buckle up. There's so much. So let's start off with some Israeli news. And it's the Israeli responsibility to vaccinate occupied territories. So Israel is facing calls from Human Rights Watch and the World Health Organization to equitably distribute vaccinations to Palestinians and its occupied territories in Gaza and the West Bank. This is from a piece by Human Rights Watch published January 17th. Israel's duties under the Fourth Geneva Convention to ensure medical supplies, including to combat the spread of pandemics, are heightened after more than 50 years of occupation with no end in sight. These responsibilities, alongside its obligations under international human rights law, include providing vaccines in a non-discriminatory manner to Palestinians living under its control, using as a benchmark what it provides for its own citizens. The Palestinian authorities' own obligations to protect the rights to health of Palestinians in areas where they manage affairs do not absolve Israel of its responsibilities. Nothing can justify today's reality in parts of the West Bank, where people on one side of the street are receiving vaccines, while those on the other side do not, based on whether they're Jewish or Palestinian, said Omar Shakir, Israel and Palestine Director of Human Rights Watch. Everyone in the same territory should have equitable access to the vaccine, regardless of their ethnicity. Because Israel ratified the Fourth Geneva Conventions, more specifically the Fourth Geneva Convention, which covers civilians, including those in occupied territory 951, it is incumbent on the occupying nation to help those in need. As of this recording, little to no attempt has been made to help vaccinate the Palestinians. This is not due to a lack of supplies. Israel has been one of the most prolific vaccinators to date. 
Here's another quote from Human Rights Watch. Israeli authorities had, as of January 14th, 2021, provided doses of the vaccine to more than 2 million Israeli citizens. Priority has been given to health workers, at-risk groups, and those over age 60, the vast majority of whom have received doses of the vaccine. The vaccination drive covers Palestinian citizens of Israel as well as residents of occupied East Jerusalem, which Israel annexed in 1967. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said that the government will vaccinate all of its citizens over age 16 by the end of March. He declared on January 7th that we will vaccinate the entire relevant population and everyone who wants to will be able to be vaccinated. An Israeli Supreme Court ruling further sets the precedent that the responsibility to vaccinate lies in the hands of Israel. The Israeli Supreme Court in a 1991 case ruled that the authorities in their drive to supply gas masks to all Israelis amid the prospect of a chemical attack in the lead up to the Gulf War should exercise quality and not discriminate between residents of the West Bank. The court wrote, when the military commander has reached the conclusion that protective kits must be distributed to Jewish residents in the area, protective kits must also be distributed to the area's Arab residents. The Palestinian Authority's foreign ministry has called on the international community to pressure Israel to provide vaccines to Palestinians in the occupied territory, saying that the Palestinian Authority's efforts to procure vaccines do not exempt Israel from its responsibilities under the law of occupation. Israeli authorities said in a January 12th submission to the Israeli High Court of Justice that they provided 100 vaccine doses to the Palestinian Authority in response to his Palestinian request and planned to send another shipment but the Palestinian Authority has denied reports of having received any quantity of vaccines from Israel. In any event, 100 vaccine doses pales in comparison to the more 2 million doses that Israel has already provided to Israeli citizens. Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed Ali is accused of war crimes in Tigray. The conflict started in September of last year when the Tigray's People's Liberation Front, or TPLF, won 152 out of 190 seats in the regional legislature, according to a Reuters article. The Prime Minister, Abiy Ahmed Ali, who was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2019 for his efforts to finalize peace between Ethiopia and Eritrea from a war that occurred between 1998 and 2000. The Ethiopian military, alongside the Eritrean military, are allegedly committing war crimes against the inhabitants of the Tigray region. This is of the northernmost region of Ethiopia, which shares its northern border with Eritrea. Due to this, the TPLF has a very heated relationship with its northern neighbors because of the conflicts of the war. The alleged atrocities include, but are not limited to, mass shootings, rape, and theft of valuable personal effects. This is a quote from Al Jazeera. And just a content warning for our listeners, this will contain explicit mentions of sexual assault. And if you'd like to skip ahead, because the content's too much, please feel free to do so. The United Nations has received disturbing reports of sexual violence and abuse in Ethiopia's conflict hit Tigray region, including of individuals forced to rape members of their own family. Pramila Patton, the UN Special Representative on Sexual Violence and Conflict, said she was greatly concerned by serious allegations from the northern region, including a high number of alleged rapes in the Tigrayan capital of Mekele. There are also disturbing reports of individuals f- allegedly forced to rape members of their own family under threats of imminent violence, Patton said in a statement on Thursday. Some women have also reportedly been forced by military elements to have sex in exchange for basic commodities. An Associated Press article 
gives an account of an eyewitness named Zenebu, an ethnic Eritrean born in the Tugray region, as saying, the Eritrean soldiers' pockets clinked with stolen jewelry. Warily, Zenebu watched them try on dresses and other clothing looted from homes in a town in Ethiopia's embattled Tigray region. They were focused on trying to take everything of value, even diapers, said Zenebu, who arrived home in Colorado this month after weeks trapped in Tigray, where she had gone to visit her mother. On the road, she said, trucks were full of boxes addressed to places in Eritrea for the looted goods to be delivered. Heartbreakingly worse, she said, Eritrean soldiers went house to house seeking out and killing Tigrayan men and boys, some as young as seven then didn't allow their burials. They would kill you for trying or even crying, Zenebu told the Associated Press, using only her first name because relatives remain in Tigray. The article continues. She first saw the Eritrean soldiers in mid-December. She had fled with others into the mountains as fighting approached, leaving her mother too frail for the journey behind. Twelve days later, she returned to the town of Hausen, needing to know whether her mother had survived. In the darkness, she said, she stumbled over bodies, including around 70 she later realized she knew as they were identified. The ground was strewn with beer bottles, cigarettes, and other trash, and I couldn't tell the difference between human and animal bodies. The stench of death was strong. A neighborhood boy, just 12, had been recruited by soldiers to do errands and then killed. I saw his body, Zanebu said. They just, like, threw him away. I was more heartbroken and surprised to see Eritreans doing that because I felt a connection speaking the same language, Zanebu said. I felt we shared more of the same struggle while others don't know us like the Eritreans do. Due to the two decades-long conflicts, there are countless refugees from Eritrea in the Tigray region and are falling victim to their own people, just as they are in the case of the Ethiopian aggressions. And we're going to continue on. All right. Okay, this is the last one. We have the Myanmar coup. On Monday, Myanmar soldiers seized power in a coup, detaining Aung San Suu Kyi, and other civilian leaders. An announcer on an army-backed TV station declared the military's top general was running the country. The takeover, coming against the backdrop of a deepening U.S.-China rivalry, pits the foreign policy strategies of the two powers against each other. And it thrusts Myanmar onto the front lines of an increasingly tense geopolitical competition for global leadership. The U.S. has framed its approach to Myanmar as a push for democracy and human rights. The focus of Beijing, which says it has a policy of non-interference in the domestic affairs of other countries, has largely been on economic and strategic interests. The differences were clear in the response by the two nations to the coup. President Biden pressed the Myanmar military to relinquish power and raise the possibility of imposing sanctions. Mr. Biden said he would reach out to partners in the region in an effort that tests his promise to marshal the world's democracies against authoritarian states. The State Department on Tuesday officially labeled the episode a coup, and that comes from the Wall Street Journal. From the New York Times, we have Myanmar's state counselor Aung San Suu Kyi was detained in a pre-dawn raid along with her top ministers and a slew of pro-democracy figures. The rounding up of critics of the military continued into Monday night and the nation's telecommunications network suffered constant interruptions. Again from the New York Times, Ms. Aung San Suu Kyi cultivated close relations with the top military brass from the outset and her National League for Democracy was formed in alliance with senior military officers. After emerging from house arrest in 2010, she dined often with one former member of the junta that had locked her up. Her supporters said the coziness was more than Buddhist equanimity or political tactics. The daughter of the founder of the modern Myanmar army, Ms. Aung San Suu Kyi, has said publicly that she has great affection for the military. And that's from the New York Times. And that concludes our international news. 
All right, in national news, the new and easier to catch COVID-19 strain could become the main U.S. strain by March, according to the CDC in an article published by the U.S. News and World Report. The article states, a highly transmittable coronavirus variant that was first detected in the U.K. could become the main strain circulating in the U.S. in March, according to a new survey from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The report said that the variant could exhibit rapid growth in early 2021, leading the agency to urge for universal and increased compliance with mitigation strategies, including distancing and masking. Increasing vaccinated coverage could be needed to protect the public, according to the CDC. The CDC data shows that the U.S. has found 76 cases of a variant, but several infections in people who've had no reported travel history likely means that the strain is spreading undetected. Capitol Police investigated a congressman for carrying a gun and attempting to go onto the House floor. In news that will come as a surprise to no one, Republican Representative Andy Harris of Maryland was stopped from going into the House floor on Thursday carrying a firearm. When Harris was stopped after going through a metal detector, he then attempted to hand the gun off to another lawmaker to hold for him. When stopped again, he left, then returned, and was permitted to pass without setting off the alarm again. Harris is known for opposing the Affordable Care Act, while also complaining about having to wait for his own health care as a federal employee and contesting the election of Joe Biden as fraudulent. Okay, in other interesting news, woman who stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop is freed from jail. Continuing on the trend of, wow, the U.S. is racist and unhinged, Riley June Williams, 22, was released from jail into the custody of her mother, Williams faces charges for stealing Nancy Pelosi's laptop during the Capitol siege. A former romantic partner of Williams tipped off the FBI, according to a spokesperson, and they informed the organization that Williams planned to sell the data on the laptop to Russia. U.S. Magistrate Judge Martin Carlson, who will oversee the case, stated, The gravity of these offenses is great. It cannot be overstated. However, he noted Carlson has no prior criminal record and released her. Williams will appear in court on Monday. And quick Biden administration updates. Three executive orders were signed on Tuesday. That would be today. The orders mostly called for a review of the current department policies and practices, like the Remain in Mexico policy, which requires non-Mexican immigrants to stay in Mexico until their immigration court date in the U.S., leaving thousands of asylum seekers waiting in dangerous and deplorable conditions on the border. The next executive order will focus on support to Central America in an attempt to stabilize the countries down there and calm the flow of migration by assessing the root of the migration problem, combating corruption, and reviving the Central American Miners Program so that youth could live in the U.S. is one of the steps proposed in the program. Additionally, revamping the asylum system, which has been changed for the worse in the past four years. The final order reviews the system in place for legal immigration and looks to review the naturalization process to streamline it and make it more accessible. That includes putting together a plan that eliminates barriers in the process, reduces processing times, and makes the process more accessible to eligible individuals. Sounds really helpful. Federal judge blocked Biden's proposal for a 100-day pause on deportation. And the Senate also voted today to confirm Mayorkas as DHS secretary, who would be the first 
Latinx person to serve as the Department of Homeland Security Secretary. One of their first plans of action is to assemble a task force that will be looking at the mission of family reunification. None of these orders call for immediate action. All right. All right. Ashley LaCase, thank you so much for presenting the news for us. Yeah, that was a lot per usual. Shout out to jaded ex-lovers, man. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, <laughs> shout out to them. Shout out to Williams. Ex, like ex fucking leaking information to the FBI. Go ahead. There were a couple of those siege guys that definitely had some ex-wives calling up yeah. the FBI. Like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know where Brian's at. <laughs> Not Brian. Oh, man. <laughs> Shout out to jaded ex-lovers, man. That shit is what's up. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> of course, we don't support people snitching to the FBI. But, you know, this is a different, this is, you know. They're civilians. <laughs> so they're civilians. Yeah. I don't, the Ethiopia stuff is just, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say about, about yeah, it's that. It's almost beyond just, words. It's really and truly. Some heavy actions going on. That's a lot. Shout out to Myanmar. People working out while a coup going on in the background. Hilarious video on Twitter. Try to get her gains while. She looked, I mean, she looked like she was doing some, she was fucking hitting that June bug. Y'all seen that June bug challenge? (laughs) (laughs) What was going on? She was hitting the June bug while fucking cool. I mean, that military Humvee came out of nowhere, man. I was like, Mm -hmm. what? She had no idea. Truly insane. Yeah. What y'all think about everything? In all honesty, I'm tired of being a human. I I just mean that as truthfully as I can say it. I am exhausted. It's like it's nonstop. And I, I know I'm saying that from a very comfortable, privileged place, but it's just like, just constant, you know. So that's kind of how I feel. Like reading the news, I was like, oh God, I have to keep, say more words. You know, it's just really hard to hear. So I, I really hope that everyone's all right out there. Do it the best they can. Yeah, we need that revolutionary change ASAP. <clears throat> our comrades internationally, the oppressed internationally are definitely bearing the brunt mm-hmm. of all this bullshit. And mm-hmm. I think that with how the nature of things have been for the last little while, we just anticipate more and more folks trying to fill power vacuums and taking advantage of folks in new yeah. and dynamic and horrible ways. And until there's a real vibrant movement of people who are trying to change the dynamics of things and really unite people on all fronts. We need we need that opposition. We need to build that power that can oppose these fucking authoritarian figures who just want to keep reigning control over people. And it's, yeah, we got a lot of work ahead of us. And yeah, that's, we got to make sure that we keep our comrades overseas and, and all over the world that's just dealing with different shit keep them in our minds and in our plans as we try to mobilize. Yeah, I think we should also add to this about the young nine-year-old girl who was pepper sprayed in the face and detained by like three police officers Uh in New York. Yeah, abolish the police. Yeah, while she was going through a mental health crisis, she said that she was feeling suicidal and homicidal against her mother and stuff. So she was just probably having some sort of episode of some kind. Yeah. So yeah, AppCap forever and always. There's that. Yeah, there's the GameStop shit. Niggas are just really, people online are just really revealing how it's just the whole system is just 
rigged nonsense of fucking Wall Street and speculation. Essentially, all of it is gambling with shit that's not even real, you know, money yeah. and property yeah. and assets. That whole Robin Hood shit was wild, the way they locked down and made where folks couldn't even fucking invest <laughs> in certain stocks and shit so yeah. that they could control the fucking price and the short squeeze so that shit wouldn't go through the way that it was going with the, I think originally when it first kicked in with the GameStop stocks, they fucking kicked in that every mechanism they could. And it, it makes sense because Robin Hill, they're owned by Melvin Capital, which was the hedge fund that was severely impacted by the GameStop mm-hmm. squeeze. So they had to throw in a favor, I'm assuming. So that kind of changed the dynamic, but there's folks still pushing. They're really trying to get this shit to work in their favor, but I don't know, man. It seemed like all the different tendrils of capital kicked in, and I don't know if the folks, the people on those different Reddit boards are going to be able to continue this operation, at least not in the same dynamic. They might have to shift their strategy up. She was ridiculous. And what's amazing is people investing into stocks has been going up because basically... Like with coronavirus, people have been like saving up money and stuff like that. And also from the few government payments that we fucking got here, essentially they've been using that to invest. Who's been saving money? I don't know anybody. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's a handful of people. And so more people are investing in stocks. And it's interesting because it's blatant like financial and economic anxiety that is causing people to like, yo, I need to invest in stocks because like, I'm trying to get money. I'm trying to get like rich or whatever. But it's like, bro, you don't realize that this whole system is fucking totally unstable. It's all unstable. It's all illusory. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. you're investing into practically nothing. I mean, it's quite tragic and, and fucked up, you know? I mean, to speak to that a little bit, even Goldman Sachs and them, I think they put out a warning on Sunday night. That if the shit had persisted, it could potentially make the whole market collapse. And I'm just like, man, that's all it takes. Yeah. It's just a little bit of yeah. <laughs> extra push and manipulation yeah. to really push the shit over the edge. That's yeah. pretty fucking pathetic. It doesn't take much. None of our political, social, or economic systems are resilient by any means. They just aren't. Yeah. I do think they were just trying to scare people to back away from pushing too hard, too. But even still, yeah. it's funny they have to make that kind of statement. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just, our shit is still a fucking mess, bro. And and just, and let's, I guess we can go ahead and, and transition over into our main topic of talking about the Biden administration. You know what I'm saying? Biden and his VP Kamala Harris are officially in power, y'all. So before we give our current review thus far, <laughs> these past couple of weeks that he's been in, how are y'all feeling about everything? What are some predictions? Like what conversations, what things in the discourse are y'all seeing people talk about in regards to the Biden administration? What are y'all thinking? And, and whoever wants to go first, you can. Nobody wants to broach that topic. No. <laughs> I can go in a little bit real quick just to get us started. I don't know. They're doing a real bang up job of getting the people radicalized thoroughly. So good job to them. I appreciate y'all. I'm hoping that this <laughs> summer will be particularly hot. And I'm talking about burning like last summer, if you get my drift. And yeah, you guys over in the administration, y'all some real insurgent anarchists as the mainstream is always trying to put it. Y'all got in there and y'all are really giving us no other options but to respond with the fury that you're 
you know, drawn out of us because the last I heard 1400 was in 2000. Last I heard that Green New Deal wasn't really having too much progress. How many, like 32 new drill contracts have been granted since Biden's been right. in office? So. That 1400 is so fucking disrespectful. <laughs> really That's is. like you asking a nigga for a dollar and he's like, nah, bro, I'm gonna go ahead and give you 75. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you can hold that. Man, <laughs> fuck you, dog. And then there's the private prisons contract renewals. <laughs> yeah, right. Super, mm-hmm. super effective stuff. For some, right? It's not even like all of them. And then it's, there's another dynamic to it. Yeah, and then there are a bunch of contracts that were, the, the contracts were newly signed in their 10-year contracts. So Oh, wow. They effectively don't do anything, and it doesn't relate to public prisons. God damn. Well, hey, we'll get $15 minimum wage in like five years. <laughs> yeah, right. You get a quarter a year. Yeah, no, that's helpful, yeah. y'all. I mean, that's helpful. That's pretty helpful. I don't see what the issue is. <laughs> yeah. He's like, basically a communist. Um, hmm. Yeah, wow. this is true. This is true. The Dems are... <laughs> I can't believe it. We're finally going to defeat capitalism through the ballot box. Finally. (laughs) I mean, listen, this is the strategy, y'all. Listen, just hear me out, okay? We let the Biden administration play out for four years. Boom, okay? We get rid of what? We get rid of money, okay? We abolish class hierarchy. (laughs) Listen, hold on. Hold on. (laughs) We, (laughs) We get rid of money, okay? We abolish class hierarchy, Eventually, Uh listen, over time, we liquidate the states, listen, and eventually we get to a level of productivity and technological advancement. All this all is going to take place within the span of four years with the Biden administration. Okay, this is my prediction. We get to a level of efficiency and productivity and technological advancement to where, boom, we're post-scarcity. Okay. And once we hit that, once we hit that, I got it. What that mean, Glenn? We're gonna finally get rid of Social Security, which is what the Biden administration has been working on this Uh entire time. That's full communism. That's full communism. Boom. That's it. Just had to elect Democrat to do it. Yep, got it. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) If if Maxine Waters couldn't get it done, who could? Huh? Come on now. If AOC can't get it done, who could? Biden couldn't get it done. Who could, y'all? You know? <laughs> oh, man. They, yeah, they so it, like, didn't t- it didn't take very long. <laughs> they, they revealed their hand very quickly. They're, they're, we have nothing to give you. Get off our jack. We're rebuilding the Democratic Party to be the new Republican Party. Because we've always been the same thing all along. And if you didn't know it, now you know. What amazes me, like you said, Ashley, about them renewing the private prison contracts is like the Trump administration was literally trying to I don't know if they're still doing the executions, but they were trying to rush, like, I believe, nine executions through. Yeah. 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 For you, like, how unaware are you of optics for you to sign those contracts and you see this barbaric practice happening like i like how can you not see that makes your administration looks like look like shit maybe he doesn't see it because he has fucking dollar signs in his eyes i don't know but it's just like just to clarify it was so he's saying that these 
contracts won't be renewed and they're denouncing the private prison system and no one should be making money off incarceration, this and that. But there are contracts that have already been signed and Mm -hmm. he's not wiping these contracts away or saying we're going to eventually remove these prisons or anything like that. It's Mm -hmm. a fraction of them that he doesn't want to renew in a decade. So I'm not really sure what that means materially for this year or the next four years for anyone that's incarcerated. No change. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no real, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be no. it's all much service. significant change at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we get it's a lot. Kind of, yeah, the, the lip service. Wow. Yeah, it's like the weakest form of lip service in history. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I And the $2,000 thing was a huge okie doke. Like, I don't. And to pretend like that was what the deal was the whole time was 14. This nigga's dirty. This nigga's super Uh dirty. It's It's just like a fucking, I don't know. That's all right. That's all right. I just mean this summer is go time. We about to get out here hard in the paint. It's just about to be sparks igniting because there's no way. There's no way people are going to sit down and be like, all right, hey, we got rid of Trump. Like, people don't give a shit about that. People, you know, were on the ground mobilizing because they had material conditions they're trying to have resolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this administration has made it very clear. Like, we, we ain't giving y'all that shit. Like, you, you barely about to get, oh, the 1400 ain't even come. They said immediately we sent out checks. It's the month of, and <laughs> nobody has received a goddamn check yep. for $1,400, which was supposed to be 2000 And let's be real, like, they owe us, what, like 18000 some grand at this point? Like, every other at fucking least. advanced yeah. country has been giving out 2K checks at yeah. least for yeah. the entire fucking pandemic. Yeah. Let's get real. People over here is clamoring over fucking scraps. Like, y'all owe us a real check and then some going forward until this shit is over. Like, bottom line, that's how shit should be flowing right now. And, and mm-hmm. until people acknowledge that and really take that in for what it is, because that, that's the shit that I feel would put some fucking fire behind somebody's ass to get out here and do something. Because, I mean, you see it. It's happening in the streets, right? People, you know, crimes have been going up. Folks have been robbing folks. It's been on that small scale level because people feeling that shit. You know, we recorded on it an episode ago where we were talking about how more shoplifting has been occurring for staple items, you know? So yes. mm-hmm. it's, it's very clear that we are in extreme conditions like folks in right. this country haven't felt in any of our lifetime. Right. It's, it's wild. And there's no way there's not going to be some kind of buildup. People are going to respond in one way or another. And hopefully there'll be a significant de- degree of organizing behind a lot of this fervor and people yeah. get into some strategic positions to really shake up the system and get these motherfuckers to get off their asses and actually, you know, at least at the bare minimum, give up some kind of something to the folks' immediate concerns, immediate needs. But I'm hoping that the people won't just stop there and they'll keep putting pressure and actually realize that we just got to we got to build something new. Yeah. You know, I feel like, but I feel like that is definitely a reason for people to mobilize, of course, that amongst many fucking reasons. But it's just, I just wonder what the sort of like response to that would be. Like, yo, you motherfuckers owe us money for all of this shit that's happened <laughs> over the months. You know what I'm saying? Collectively, <laughs> yeah. you owe all Americans all this fucking money. But I feel like the capitalist ideology is just gonna just pop in like that to where it's like, no, like, no nobody one owes you, you any. Nobody owes mm-hmm. you anything. You got to work mm-hmm. for everything. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, my nigga, all the jobs are closed. Like, like, how can I work? There are no, like, what are you talking about? 
And, and even the you know niggas who have to work right now ain't making enough to survive. And even in the pandemic, they ain't out here giving nobody hazard pay or nothing like that or improving people's benefits. Maybe here and there, but not on the not on the general sense. You know what I'm saying? I just wish that people had an understanding, some sort of understanding of like macroeconomics or fuck fucking, mm-hmm. you know, fucking modern monetary theory. You know what I'm saying? And just really mm-hmm. come to the recognition that money is not real. Yes, you can just print. You can make the money printer go brr. Like you can do that. Like money's not real. <laughs> like you can just put numbers into people's accounts and we'll all be able to eat. Like I just right. wish I just and and then when you tell people this concept, like property isn't real, assets aren't real, money isn't real. Like when you tell people these things, they look at you like you're fucking crazy. And that's understandable because, you know, at a point in time before you became a communist or whatever, you too, if someone told you that, you'd be like, what the fuck is this nigga talking about? What do you mean money isn't real? But it's so deeply entrenched in people's like, fam, it's just made up. Right. Money literally comes from Hopefully I don't fuck up getting into my philosophy bag here, (laughs) but money literally, it's a value judgment. The only reason that we find dollars valuable is because we choose to and coins and all these numbers and all this shit. It's the same thing with with debt. What is debt? David Graeber said, I, I know Glenn, you read the book, his book on debt, but he says like debt is just a promise, really. We could have a total debt jubilee if we wanted to. It's just... That's what I'm saying. It's all this. The, the I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. Like, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. I forgot who it was in ancient. I believe it was ancient Athens. He was a. I think he was a poet that became like the leader of of the king of Athens, and he basically was like, "Yo, like, let's just have a big ass debt jubilee. Get rid of all the debt." I find it amazing that it took a poet who became a politician. Mm-hmm rather than like a trained politician or a trained military person who became a politician to, to get it done. I, f- I think that speaks volumes. I think that speaks Uh-oh. volumes. <laughs> and why it's important to have alternative visions and ways of looking at the world, right, that uh-huh. don't come from the status quo. I just wish I could get that through to people. Now, I am a bit excited because, you know, shout out to Ice Cube. Ice Cube was on Twitter and he took a picture of a book that he's reading, which was a book on MMT, Modern Monetary Theory. So maybe that influenced some people like, yo, let me pick that book up. Let me read this. But of course, it's not even remotely as mainstream as the more traditional and orthodox sort of understandings of, of economics and stuff. But I just wish we could just get that through to people like, yo, this shit is yeah. just made up. Right. Like, I don't know. I'll shut yeah, up now. What, what, y'all, what y'all think? It, it ties back into what we were talking about before recording with the, the GameStop thing. It's all just this play money. You're gambling and the little guy, quote unquote, the Redditors got in trouble for playing with the system the way the elites usually get to play with the system. And they're in trouble for not being allowed to do that. Yeah, it, it needs to be pointed out that it wasn't really, from my understanding, the little guy who was really pushing on the system with regards to Wall Street, too. Like, I, I think there were some pretty big hedge funds that took advantage of that situation as well. So it was a little bit of both. It was like some people came together, but then also some big forces also took advantage of the situation. So I just wanted to make sure that was pointed out because even then you, you still see the fucking snakes out here manipulating the situation even when uh, a collective of people try to mobilize. Maybe I could read this article here. None of us here are experts on, you know, the stock market at all. 
But I do think that this article in the Washington Post, this article called the GameStop stock situation isn't about populism. It's about whether the market is real. The reason I want to read it is because like in some of the discourse about what's going on right now, there are some people who are trying to frame this as like the Wall Street bets Redditor types are fucking like proletarian revolutionaries who are like getting at the rich when in reality, like these people are just like probably just more like capitalist troll assholes on the Internet who just like are doing (laughs) shit for the laws. And I think that question about whether the market is real in the subtitle here is do you think value in the market is merely socially constructed or is an efficient working system that follows certain rules and trends? Now, obviously, as leftists, we would say the former But I think that that's a really important question to ask and for us to really think about at this time, especially with just how much this whole COVID situation has thrown our shit into disarray. And I mean, the disarray was bound to happen sooner or later. We were bound to have an economic collapse and and bubbles and all sorts of shit sooner or later. But coronavirus really unmasked a lot of the stuff earlier and is really showing people just how delusional, how irrational and and immoral the the capitalist system really is. So let me read a bit here. The intro is pretty funny. Last week, my younger sister, who is still in high school, texted me. How can I buy stocks? I want to be rich, she wrote. (laughs) (laughs) She hoped to buy stock in GameStop and AMC. I was a former worker at AMC and fucked them. You will not be missed. <clears throat> All that fucking popcorn I had to clean up. I'm butthurt because I'm still mad about when the last Twilight movie came out. What's the name of the last <gasps> Twilight movie? Something All these... about the moon. Dawn? Breaking Dawn? B- new Breaking moon? Dawn, New Moon, Blue Moon, whatever. Blue okay, moon. I'm still butthurt. Because yeah. all of these preteens and teenagers, them and their fucking boyfriends in the theater, fucking the place up, niggas is smearing ice cream on the seats, uh, okay? Your boy had to clean that up, okay? That's oh what life God, under yeah. capitalism is like. I'm still Ooh. hurt. I'm sorry. I had to go in a little bit. Okay. That's all right. It's a deep cut. It's okay. Yeah, We're here for you. <laughs> working out my traumas on the podcast, y'all. This is what we do. <laughs> GameStop is a company that owns stores, many based in malls that sell video games, consoles, peripherals, and assorted knickknacks and merchandise. But these days, GameStop is also an inkblot. Talking heads on stock watching panel shows have compared the stock surge to the storming of the Capitol. Scott Galloway, the podcast, the professor, thought leader, influencer, which just means he's probably online a lot, <laughs> tweeted that the situation indicated that young men weren't having sex. I I I have to I have to pull this tweet up. I have to pull because I can't. Oh, okay. His tweet is idiotic. What happened here? It's about sex, specifically young men not having enough sex. Sex leads to relationships, (laughs) obligations, and guardrails. Don't get in fights. We need you. Don't gamble your paycheck. We need to save for a house. A bored, angry young man is the most dangerous person in the world. When countries have unemployed young men who are single, the likelihood that that country goes to war escalates. We have cut the share of wealth of young people in half in the last 30 years from 19% to 9%. Arm young men in a basement, not at work, not having sex, not forming connection with an RH account, a phone and stimulus, and you have the perfect storm of volatility as they wage war against established players while squeezing the dope bag harder and harder. Mm. Oh, Jesus. Mm. Interesting. Mm. That's okay. <laughs> That's one of the dumbest Freudian takes I've ever read. Who in, said in that? Who tweeted that? 
Scott Galloway, who is a podcaster, professor, thought leader, and influencer. I think the scariest thing that he is is that he's a professor. Professor, that's what I, I that's think. Terrifying. Well. Yeah. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. What's a thought leader? What's that? Just an online person who like tells niggas things. What's that's literally thing? what a thought leader. Okay. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's, that's terrifying. Do you see a lot of these people in academia, LaCase? Oh, yeah. Like a lot of these weirdo professors oh, were, yeah. like, horrible. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I should say, I don't, I don't, like, in academia, thank God. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, really and truly, you're in that bubble. If you can get to a, a point where you are in any way tenured, like, you just have this air of egotism that is unmatched and, I think we we have this real problem in our society with conflating education with intelligence, you know, and our whole idea of like IQ is bullshit. It's racist. It's yes, made yeah. up like money. Go figure. Structures that oppress are all made up. You read one thing really well and you regurgitate it really well and you're a professor. No shade to the professors listening. I know there's lots of innovation involved as well. But when it comes to the people like this, it's really just... It's not a marker of any real insight or intelligence or reflection, you know. So I, I'm not surprised that a guy like that would exist at all. I've seen it a lot. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought a thought leader was a podcaster, personally. Are we thought leaders? No, 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 Thought leader just means like you're some Silicon Valley asshole who's like online a lot and people like buy your books about success or whatever the fuck. That's all right. that's all a thought leader is. They're just another very capitalist mutation. Yeah, it's gross. Another fucking another pimple on the ass of capitalism. <laughs> totally. Oh, not a butt pimple. Ugh. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this reminds me of the take that came from uh, Ross, that Christian conservative New York Times columnist, Ross Douthit, in one of Ugh. the articles that he wrote about the incels. You remember that shit where he was like, we yeah. just need, he was talking about, he basically tried to use like the socialist, communist sort of perspective against itself because like we hmm. believe in distribution right of like of resources and injustice and democracy and such and he was like you should also believe in the distribution of sex right so the way that you want to get rid of incels is by God. like creating like sex robots or what? like isn't it like yeah it was something to that effect yeah, yeah 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 something of that nature government assigned girlfriend yeah Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. He's an absolute fucking idiot. Let's keep going here. Uh, we kind of. Oh God, do we have to? <laughs> from the article. So yeah, my bad, y'all. So video game related media has conflated the people buying GameStop stock with gamers. MAGA, Stephen Bannon, Gamergate, and Occupy Wall Street have all been raised in an effort to explain the situation. The most popular narrative framing has been that that of the populace, the phrase that doesn't really mean much anymore beyond just a collection of guys who are mad versus the institutions. And there's some merit to this. On Wall Street Bets, the Reddit forum that sparked GameStop's explosive growth, you'll find tons of posts about growing up with little and near zen comfort with losing it all just to stick it to the hedge funds. 
Never mind the lessons learned from some of the juiciest, most viral relationship posts. Wow. The New York Times write-up closed with this quote from the wife of a retail investor, eat the rich. Mm. This is an easy way of understanding this issue because it's the lens through which we viewed much of the past half decade. But my sister's text reminded me that there's an underlying distinction that is maybe a bit more accurate, at least as it pertains to movement in the stock market. It informs the insurgent versus establishment narrative. It's this. Do you think value in the market is merely socially constructed smoke and mirrors or the representation of an efficient working market that follows certain rules and trends? He says a brief explanation is in order. What is a stock? There's a technical definition, but for most non-professional investors, a stock is the thing you spend money on in hopes that it increases in value. When it goes down too much for you to bear, you sell. In theory, whether the value goes up or down depends on news surrounding the stock, which usually has to do with the underlying company. The underlying assumption is that the market as a whole generally goes up. So if you buy a diverse enough set of stocks over time, you are bound to make profit. This is the simplest explanation. How do people decide what to invest in? The traditional econ 101 approach to smart investing is to look at fundamentals, the core facts about a company you might invest in. Do you think the CEO is smart or surrounded by smart people? Does the business model make sense? Does the business have long-term prospects? About GameStop, two pictures formed. The conventional wisdom based on one view of the fundamentals was that the company was going the way of Blockbuster. The firm hadn't posted profits in years. Many of its stores were based in malls, subjects of their own parallel panic regarding the future of retail. Meanwhile, game purchases are swinging in the direction of digital downloads, even streaming. The other perspective associated most closely with Keith Gill, the Reddit user known as Deep Fucking Value, and a prominent first mover on GameStop was that the company had underlying strengths, a big base of reward points members, an upcoming inflow of money from the release of the new console generation, a new set of activist board members with a background in e-commerce. Once other people noticed, the price would go up. Now, this is, I just got to break here. So all of this shit is based upon assumptions. Like, all of it is based upon assumptions. Is that what y'all getting from this, from what I'm reading? It's all like psychological Bullshit. I mean, I mean, in the midst of the pandemic, they begin trading on water futures. So that tells me everything I need to know about. Yeah, this is true. Market. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty ridiculous. Okay. Another data point also merits attention. Even in a pandemic, e-commerce makes up only a small percentage of total retail. If your memory of the past year was erased, and I told you that a pandemic will rip across the world, rendering us all loyal supplicants to online shopping, what percent of sales would you assume e-commerce would be of overall consumption, wrote the analyst Elena Berger. The reality, a little over 14% of sales is actually shocking. That is kind of shocking. The takeaway shouldn't be e-commerce is eating the world. It should be, despite lockdowns, store closures, mass layoffs, and global logistic networks that rival militaries in terms of sophistication, e-commerce was less than one-sixth of sales in the U.S. That's fucking crazy. Still, the people who aligned with the former view, believing the stock was primed to go down, bet heavily on that outcome. In overwhelming numbers, usually associated with companies at imminent risk of failure, Unless they thought there was obvious malfeasance or they thought that something really bad was going to happen, then you can justify it, said Harrison Hong, a professor of financial economics at Columbia. When you put that big of a trade, you have to pretty much expect on the short seller side that news is imminent. The stock is finished. 
Their bet backfired and several prominent hedge funds suffered heavy losses as a result. Last week, the conventional wisdom that had overtaken Twitter was that the market was all fake and not reflective of the real economy. There's merit to that perspective, and it's clear how a rational person might arrive at that conclusion. But it doesn't really help to hear that the market is imaginary or fake, especially in the context of people making heaps of real money. Well, is that true? Y'all think that's true? I don't know if I would. Can you repeat that? I'll just repeat the sentence. He said, basically, last week, the conventional wisdom that had overtaken Twitter was that the market was all fake and not reflective of the real economy. There's merit to that perspective, and it's clear how a rational person might arrive at that conclusion. But it doesn't really help to hear that the market is imaginary or fake, especially in a context of people making heaps of real money. I don't know if that's true. You don't know that that's true either. I mean, we know that it's fake. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't... You can manipulate it so easily. It's fake. And the thing about this is that the average person doesn't have the capital to invest to get heaps of money back. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The thing is, this isn't accessible for everybody. It's only for no, selected people to begin with. Yeah. Right. To be a day trader, you got to have like 25000 in your savings account or some shit. So it's already automatically by that virtue, it, there's a gate that you have to be able to get through to even right. participate. Otherwise, you can't trade at the volumes that these people trade at. And then on top of that, they have massive firms with huge computer processing, like server firms or whatever that, you know, have crazy algorithms on them and shit. They can just sort through like numbers on a, like at a level that an average person can't from home, like even with a normal computer. Yeah, you can do OK, but you can't trade like these big firms can trade. And wow. like that, that in itself is another barrier that makes it where, of course, it's not in any way somewhere where like the average person can go and try to make a living off of that kind of work like it's inherently just blocked off to most people mm -hmm. and i think that you could make an argument to an average person about like hey like the market is fake and people are hoarding a bunch of fake shit that we use to you know, get the necessities that we need for life i think you could make that argument to people you know, mm -hmm. the market is fake. Money is fake. We're essentially using fictional bullshit to bar people from, again, the necessities and, and, com and commodities that we need to survive. Because you don't have enough mm -hmm. of this fictional thing, you can't get a home. Because you don't have enough of this fictional thing, you can't get enough food. Because you don't have enough of this fictional thing, you can't have your fucking AC fixed or turned on because winter is coming and you and your family are going to be fucking freezing their asses off. I think you could make an argument to an average person who's pissed off enough about that. So I, I, yeah, I don't know if I would agree with that. Right. To the average person is a little difficult. It's hard to say because like the average person, if you're talking about like, you know, how real money is to them, it's like, I mean, if I don't have it, I don't get the half comfort. So it's real to me. Right. 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 And lots of studies and shit indicate that like, if you're living in poverty, your ability to think clearly and all that stuff is. Inhibited. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so trying to really make that argument to a person who's actually dealing with the stresses of being a low class, you know, low income person, like you're going to be basically speaking on deaf's ears. So I get what you're saying that like the average person can understand this. But if you make this as an argument to try to mobilize people, I don't see it working. Personally. Yeah, that's fair. I see people really having more of a response to the concepts of like, hey, we're paying into the system through our labor. Let's, right, yeah. you know, actually actuate 
what it is that we're playing into this system when we're in the midst of a crisis. Like, why isn't anything being mechanized to shield us in this crisis? What the fuck are we buying into to begin with by being a part of this society? Mm. And then on top of that, if you look around at every other, you know, I hate to put it in these terms, but quote-unquote advanced culture, every other advanced country, they're taking care of their people for the most part. I mean, not everyone's dealing with the pandemic in the best way possible. I heard Germany wasn't doing too hot, too. And obviously the UK has been fumbling the bag just like us. But with regards to, like, at least at the bare minimum taking care of people who are working like they're not even taking care of the workers here like you know you think they would give a shit about the people who fucking you know are at least keeping the fucking the gears turning because once those people get pissed off enough and start to you know sabotage and do different things to try to draw attention down so that they can make some shit happen the people who are running things are going to be the ones you know holding the bag at the end of the day looking stupid but instead what they did over the fucking course of the fucking year was they fucking robbed the shit blind they just fucking put trillions into the fucking the stock market and artificially inflated it to keep things looking good and you got companies like Tesla, which if you look down at, you know, into the details of the numbers, they're not ever actually making any profit off their car sales. They're able to mark themselves as profitable based off of their different like tax. I forget what you call that shit, but like the different ways in which they can get like tax benefits and stuff like that and be able to walk away without not having to pay as much on tax or pay any taxes at all. That's really how they've been able to mark themselves as profitable. And so even if you look at Tesla on the stock market, like their valuation is incredibly fucking high. And that's because you got the government and other groups buying into all the different electric vehicles as the quote unquote green option. But it's only green through capitalism. You know, like they can't have an actual green option, which mm. would require them to really subsidize the cost on some more renewable options and not just have it be produced through some extractive means. Because, you know, even with no, these they, they Teslas, you got to fucking get that lithium and shit, you know? So. Come on, dog. Come on, fam. You need, come on, please. No, no. Because, yeah, you know, what was it? Fucking, no. fucking Nancy Pelosi, she, like, invested, like, millions into fucking Tesla once they fucking... It was, like, right before or right after they passed some shit that was basically, like, we're going to make all of the government vehicles electric fleet over a course of a certain amount of time. And, of course, all of that is going to be produced by Tesla. And it's just, like... Uh, how do we even snakes. like we, the people who are making the fucking laws like are going out and let me go put my money down on this because we about to make bread you know and it's just like mm. how, how is there any kind of accountability how is there any kind of mechanism of you know being able to directly recall our people and be like yeah what the fuck are you doing you're not working in our interests like all they got to do is get close to the money get real comfy with the fucking the you know this machiavellian fucking like just gangster ass political system that we have where you know if you're not in the know then you asked out and your capital is totally those are the factors i think would really excite people if you can illustrate that to them in a way that you know is very clear and you can point out who your political enemy is and help people understand what that means when you say this is your political enemy Getting people, yeah, that's part of the difficulty, right? Is like getting people to understand, like, no, like there is a actual enemy that is against you. And you as a working class person, a laboring person, or, or you know, a person of color, a queer person, whatever it may be, you have diametrically opposed interests. Like they're not for you in any way, shape or form. Like y'all's interests are in conflict, you know? Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point. And, and speaking to... 
you know, it's funny just speaking to my own experience as like a worker, in particular a healthcare worker, and just like talking about how corporations just really don't give a fuck about us. I'm essentially, I was, I'm, I'm transitioning to a new gig, thank God. But I was in a position where basically we would have to pick up or and deliver the medicine pumps. Like when you go into a patient's room and they have that like machine that's pumping whatever fluids into them and whatnot. And so it was our responsibility to pick them up and to wipe those pumps off and to clean them up. We're also picking up from COVID units, units that have patients with COVID. None of the pumps that were in a person's room that had COVID were marked as, you know, equipment that had been exposed to COVID. Uh. So we're still picking that up and we have no fucking clue which pump is, which pump isn't, hasn't been exposed. It's shit like that. It's shit like that. Right. This is a privately owned hospital. Like we have, you know, CEO, all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that place. You, you you get down to the nitty gritty of it. You know, that was the calculation they made at the beginning of the fucking pandemic was how much is it going to be worth to shut down the economy versus the, the loss of human life hmm. to this pandemic? And, you know, mm -hmm. the equation they, they decided on was let's keep this shit churning. Because the amount of human life that will be lost, the what is it, four hundred thousand people at this point? Yeah, more than that. Mm -hmm. That that was an equivalent exchange to them. They were cool with that, you know. Oh my god! Oh, full metal. God damn it! Is this our philosopher's stone? Is capitalism our philosopher's stone, Glenn? I mean, it's a good mm -hmm. analogy, one, right? This is such a depressing episode. Let me keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> Let me keep reading, cheese. We're back, folks. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So when the GameStop story began to catch the media's attention, I sought the advice of experts. How normal was all of this? Did it matter if a stock was wildly mispriced? The overwhelming answer was that all of this had happened before in varying configurations and with different valiances. Short squeezes, the technical name for when the price of a stock goes up, hurting those who bet against the stock, had happened in the past. Prominent examples like that of Volkswagen in 2008 are taught in econ courses. And prices changing in response to signals sent by prominent investors certainly wasn't new. Gill convincing posters on Wall Street bets to invest in GameStop isn't materially different from Warren Buffett saying that he likes a stock with individual investors taking that as a signal to buy. That's fucking insane. That is absolutely insane. That is unbelievable. So you invest in this shit because niggas, you invest in this shit and you find it valuable just because niggas tell you to. I mean, that's just such a great analogy for like all of life under this system. I mean, it really is. Hey, you know, you should respect this thing and value it because we tell you to. It's like, wow. Okay. That's, that's amazing. The issue that seemed to concern the more measured economists was that GameStop's stock price appeared to be ballooning beyond the merits. For investors who think in terms of fundamentals, what was happening with GameStop's stock was a slap in the face, anathema to the point of the market. On Friday, Senator Elizabeth Warren penned a letter to the acting chair of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission asking what steps will the SEC take to ensure that securities markets better reflect prices that are in line with the intrinsic and fundamental value of underlying companies. There's a problem with this line of thinking. 
There is compelling academic literature that suggests that fluctuations in stock price often have very little to do with underlying news. In 1988, three academics from MIT and Harvard found that only about one-third of fluctuations in stock returns can be traced to specific news about a stock or company. A reassessment of that paper in 2013 was even more critical. It is, if anything, more difficult to tie major stock price movements to fundamental economic news in a way that's sufficient to rationalize the size of the observed move, wrote Bradford Cornell author of the 2013 paper and a professor of UCLA. So it's all based on bullshit. That's amazing. But popular culture is rarely moved by academic papers. More viscerally, people observe the market going up. Even as a pandemic killed hundreds of thousands and decimated the business landscape, a rational observer could find the market's logic inscrutable. Why, for example, is Tesla valued more than big automakers that sell many more cars than Tesla? And so if the market seems to be primed for gaming, why not get in on the fun of boosting GameStop and make a pretty penny doing so? Oh, man. That's, oh, man. That's fucking crazy. More confusing still is the fact that GameStop's inflated price could easily be rationalized. We only know after the fact if it was mispriced or not, said Andy Wu, assistant professor at Harvard Business School. If GameStop was able to raise additional capital and reposition the company, especially with the help of its activist board members, and reposition the company in a stable position to justify the stock price, then it could be a self-fulfilling positive prophecy. The example of Blockbuster's instructor, Wu said, it turns out Netflix didn't actually take that much market share away from Blockbuster. But the problem is they have a large store footprint and large fixed cost base. And so you don't have to steal that much share from Blockbuster in order for Blockbuster to go bankrupt, Wu said. Imagine now if Blockbuster suddenly had access to an overpriced stock price and could have extra capital to sustain itself as it bought itself time to sell off its stores. Then that time selling off the stores is enough time to avoid bankruptcy risk and justify a higher stock price. There's a continuum of outcomes when it comes to mispriced stocks. Melvin Capital, which lost billions of dollars shorting GameStop stock, is not really essential to the health of the financial system. But if the FANG stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, and Alphabet were found to be severely mispriced, that could have enormous consequences. If you're just wrong as a society in terms of where you place your bets about businesses, ultimately that's pretty bad, Hong said. These companies won't grow, your money won't grow, people who decide to work for these sectors, their careers won't grow. One targeted mispriced stock, especially at GameStop's tier, probably doesn't matter though. That's where the insurgency narrative starts to fall apart. Gill, the hedge fund managers, have a roughly similar understanding of the mechanics of the market. They simply disagreed on the prospects of one or several stocks at the margin. But the people who have driven GameStop stock up, those amused by the prospect of buying stock in a store with an annoying to bad reputation among gamers, this is true. Let me just go in on GameStop. You will give these niggas like, like 100 games and a console just to get like very little money back, a fucking coupon, and like bullshit store credit. So fuck GameStop, you know, sorry. Those who wanted to get into the communal aspect of investing with their friends, and now those like my sister who simply want to get rich, don't view the market in those terms. So what y'all think thus far? 
thus far? Is there more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, shit. It's definitely as they mentioned, right? Like, it shows you exactly how people value even just you know the commodities they can produce, but also people's labor. Like, there's just so much disregard for any of that shit. Like, I guess all I can say ultimately is fuck Ronald Reagan, right? Because, like, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need to fucking kick this shit in. Uh, That's going to be the title of this episode. That's going to be the title of this episode. Ultimately, fuck Ronald Reagan. Yes. Because, yes, yeah, it's, it's just wild, like, the way that they, they interlink these things that don't really have any real bearing on one another, but it influences all of it at the same time. And based off of what people evaluate things at, like, you can literally have a major impact on someone's livelihood. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Ashley, Casey, y'all have anything to add? I think I don't Glenn hit it. I there's just, I'm just trying to learn. I'm sorry, sorry I'm being so quiet. I just, I'm so out of my depth and it's just good to like learn about the ramifications of what's been going on and try to dig a little bit deeper into like what all this means. So yeah, I mean, read on. Sorry, Ashley, you can give your thoughts. I'm just trying to learn. Yeah, no, I'm just going to say, I think this is a good overview for everyone. But yeah, at the end of the day, we all kind of already identified what this means for us and other workers and and I'm just flabbergasted by the fact that all this is built upon news and like people's perspectives that someone telling you that this company is valuable because of this or that particular quality, that is your signal to invest in it. So because Warren Buffett says that this company is valuable and you should invest in it, you invest. I mean, it's. I mean, I mean that, so, that guy has money, so clearly he knows how to make money. He so. knows what he's talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll listen to the influencers and the thought leaders. And I mean, this is the sort of perspective that us on the left who have anarchist tendencies are talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's fucking follow the leader. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's fucking follow the leader. And, it, and this is clear evidence, yet again, of why that sort of psychology needs to fucking go. Because now this aspect of the economy is just it's just all over the fucking places. It's chaotic. I mean, it's it's just it's a complete absurdity. So let me just finish this off here. Some analysts have described GameStop and other stocks like it as uh, meme stocks. They're right in a sense. If you're a younger person, you probably encountered an older relative or friend sharing a meme well after it expired from popular culture. On Inauguration Day, everyone got a kick out of Senator Bernie Sanders' mittens. That was a great fucking meme. Did y'all see the J. Cole one? Where they put his body on J. Cole from the Force Hills Drive album cover? That shit was hilarious. That shit was so fucking funny. I didn't see that. I gotta find it. That shit was hysterical. And then they had one where he was like, you know, the dude who stole the podium out of the Capitol, but he was still in Bernie in his chair. That shit was funny. I, I did see that one. That was good. That shit was funny as fuck. A few days later, the meme was over, driven into the ground by the zealously online. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Not so to your extremely offline relatives. But by the time they got to the joke, the spark was gone. So it will probably be with GameStop. The conventional wisdom about stocks is to buy index funds which are assets that fluctuate up and down parallel to the general market, which as we've learned, tends to go up in the long run. The underlying logic is that by the time you, a non-professional, learn about a promising new stock, institutional investors have already taken action. You've missed out on the biggest moves. 
Some brokerages, such as Robinhood, have been accused of encouraging amateur investors with little experience in or understanding of the market to use the app. In December, regulators in Massachusetts accused Robinhood of using gamification, such as a colorful confetti that appeared on screen after deposits and trades to incentivize continuous and repeated engagement with the application. That's so fucked up. The securities regulators listed examples of the kinds of traders on the platform. Since February 1st, 2020, Customer One has made over 12,748 trades with Robinhood, an average of approximately 92 trades per day during that time frame. Customer One had no investment experience prior to trading with Robinhood, the filing alleges. Wow. By prioritizing onboarding investors over educating them, brokerages such as Robinhood might exacerbate the risks around volatile stocks, including GameStop. If you just learned about GameStop's promising stock, you probably already missed out on the most astronomical growth. But even if GameStop goes on to reach progressively higher peaks, if you're not a Wall Street bets lurker or hanging around the Discord server, in other words, if the GameStop news takes a while to reach you, you might miss this signal, spoken or implicit, to sell. That sell signal can come from anywhere at any time. Gil might announce he's selling his shares. Elon Musk might tweet that he's done with GameStop. However, improbably, the SEC might take action. Brokerages might restrict your ability to buy or sell shares as Robinhood did last week. And if you're just not plugged in, if you're in a meeting or in class or asleep, you still open yourself up to risk. At some point, it ends. Famously, the market can stay irrational longer than people can stay solvent, said Harry Maminsky, a professor at Columbia Business School. I feel like this is the kind of thing that everyone can lose money on. It's one of those situations where it's not obvious that it ends well for anyone. I think where it all ends, it'll be very obvious to everyone how it should have ended. So that's the end of the article. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. So this investment app is just like, yo, like we just need to get motherfuckers on here investing and just not educate them on how to invest because we need money and we're just going to make things worse for the market. Yeah, this just that article. Sorry to the listeners for it being so long winded, but it's just like, yeah, that article just highlights everything we've been talking about, man. Just yeah. it, the capitalism, the market is totally fucking irrational. It's all it's all just insane bullshit. I, I just want to really quickly go back to what Glenn was saying earlier about like the way that we mobilize people and organize. Like, I just think it really is important to highlight that we have to think about like what's tangible. We can talk about how none of this is real. It's easily manipulated, but like what is real is need. What's real is hunger. What is real is no shelter. And like, like you and Glenn both said, identifying the people who want to keep you from those things is what is your best mobilization tactic. Just making sure people are aware of who stands to gain from your loss is a really good way to get people on board. Because I, I, you know, I readily admit, I tell you guys all the time, I have no idea what the hell we're talking about 90% of the time. But what I do know is I know for sure that things aren't fair. They haven't been fair for a long time. I know as my lived experience as a black woman, I have been disenfranchised left and right. And I've come from generations of that disenfranchisement. So I had to learn who stood to gain from it. And that has led me to this. And yeah, I think it's really important that if any, anyone out there trying to organize, you, you really have to look at those factors. Like people can... When we're in need, we look at what is withheld from us. And that, that's really the best way to um, get people on board. And, and another thing that people need to start to remember is that 
the CEOs and the fucking hedge fund managers and all these motherfuckers out here, they got names and they got addresses. Oh, no. Let's give them the mock no motherfucking energy. You know what time it is. You know (laughs) what time it is. You know what the energy is. I'm sorry. I had to get it out. I'm sorry. Go go ahead, Glenn. My bad. <laughs> no, you good. That was all I really had to say on that one. I'm gonna leave it real vague and let people make their own, you know, draw their own conclusions from that. But that's a real throwback. They got names and they got addresses. Now you know for the feds that are listening, okay, for hey. the FBI. Hey, hi. <laughs> Run me my check. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's for, hey, <laughs> why y'all sitting up here listening and trying to collect niggas, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, data, y'all need to be running us our money, man. Right. But listen, we're not telling people to pull up. But if people just happen to pull up, I don't know, man. It will make sense. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying, Mr. Hey, That's what they saying. pull up with is up to you. You know, you can pull up with a sign. You can pull up with a stick with a sign on it, you know? Like, you can (laughs) do what you got to do. Just get their attention. You know what I'm saying? So, listen, all we are exercising our right to free speech, and we might engage in direct action. Pull up with direct action. That's going to be the name of this episode. Pull up with direct action. (laughs) (laughs) I do, too. It's a good one. That is hilarious. But yeah, that's true, man. These motherfuckers, they got addresses, bro. You know, unless you're like, you know, on some like weird Elon Musk shit and you have like 17 different compounds around the nation and in obscure ass places. I don't know. I mean, anybody says it's going to be easy. You know, they move in, in a certain way to try to stay low key, but you can only stay low key so long. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of these niggas be on that Tiger King shit. They got a compound in the middle of nowhere, some like a fucking meth farm. There's no, te- I don't know. These people are fucking weirdos, man. Yeah, I have my, I have multiple places of residence, and one of which is my Vipassana meditation studio in the <laughs> deep in the Appalachian Mountains. Like what? Like this nigga got a whole for- fortress. But yeah, man. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you know. We just have to let people know that, look, like you have your interests and your interests for your own livelihood are just opposed to all of these people in government, all these people who are heads of capital and heads of state and all this other shit. That's just, yeah, I totally agree with that. And to me, part of the article just really reminded me of just like the blatant knowledge gaps that we have. Because, again, if you don't know anything, I mean, all of these people are taking risks with their fucking money. Because they don't know anything. They don't know any better. You know what I mean? And most people just view playing the stock market as, yo, if I do this shit, I can make a lot of money from it. But they have no understanding of how unstable all of this is. And, and like you pointed to, Glenn, earlier, how a small push can make this whole fucking thing unravel. And you mm-hmm. lose so much money. I mean, that's the same shit that happened to people with the financial crisis back in 08. All of these people lost all their shit. You know, so it's just, yeah. And if you don't know how to play the stock market, if you don't know how to mess around with all of these financial systems and, and, and instruments, it's just like you're doomed to remain at the same level you are in the hierarchy. I mean, it's totally fucked. It's totally fucked. So, it is yeah. Because as Marxists, we know that labor is how you, you know, kind of 
have your purpose or like contribution to society and this undercuts all of that yes you're making mm. capital through yeah. gaming the system and you're never going to get rich through working we all know that right it's just really unfortunate that's the value system we're doing here isn't that so interesting that it's the Marxists, it's us like the Marxists and the socialists who are like, yo, like work is actually good and it's actually yeah. the capitalists <laughs> yeah. who are just Capitals like are trying sitting to do around anything with, not to work. Do anything not to work, sitting around with their thumb up their ass, making passive income. Ain't ain't right. that interesting? Mm-hmm. I'm real with you. I'm trying everything I can not to work, but I, I know I agree. No, like, 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 I think work listen, is ass, and I think a lot of us could do to do a whole lot less of it in society would yes. be even more productive. I agree. Yes. No, I'm I'm yes. fully on board with the post scarcity, full unicorn, automated luxury economy. I'm fully <laughs> on board with that shit. And you telling me that I can get some Star Trek shit where I press a button and it makes my food and I don't have to cook ever again? I don't have to season or saute nothing ever again? What? Oh, that's my heaven. Yes, sir. Me up. Yes, sir. Also, I will say when you said unicorn, I like perked up like like a like, like an animal unicorn. <laughs> and I realized <laughs> I am very tired. I apologize. <laughs> I was like, are you a Listen, yeah. maybe in the future, think... you know, we Don't can mess around with some. No, maybe in the future, if technology advances, maybe we could start messing with genetics and make unicorns. Now, that's terrifying to me, but you know. Maybe we'll find a planet with unicorns on it. All that's all you just you my dream. That'll be nice. Is... You know, crossbreed little narwhal with a little bit of you know some stallion. There you go. Oh my god, that's nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's horrifying. Go wrong so many ways. It really could. So we've been going for a minute. Should we get down to the Black Joy segment? We don't yeah, have Doctor do Chanel. I'm sad as hell. Let's talk about something happy. No. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> well, the case. I mean, your Black Joy huh? apparently is a planet of unicorns. So that's. <laughs> it is that's all i want is a planet of unicorns <laughs> maybe like a fairy that would make me so happy that would make oh, me genuinely man. happy i've never yeah. wanted anything more than that it snowed okay that's fun right <laughs> actually god fun, right? damn that's all i got <laughs> weather who wants to talk about precipitation Uh-oh. i'm here for it we need some snow to Fix those melting ice caps. Okay, I'm sorry. That was negative. <laughs> it, it, it don't get any better. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get any better. This is ep- this is another depressing episode. We try not to be like this, y'all. Yo, yo, next episode we coming with the solutions. Don't worry. We go. Show there we you go. How to, how to, we go bring some programs to to this the, the the podcast for folks to dissect and really think about how they could be building. But yeah. this episode we have to catch y'all up on the bullshit, and unfortunately yeah. there's a lot. Of there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Glenn, what's been there your was. black joy? This shit was, what have I been doing lately? Oh, I'm, I'm getting back and working on my webcomic. So that's what I've been doing oh, for, nice. for it. And um trying yeah. to get, the, yeah, thank you. <laughs> trying to get the the story re-outlined and re-approach it and we get started. Hopefully this go. month. Well done. That's what's up. That's what's up. What's my black joy? My black joy is that I'm leaving my fucking job that I hate. Hey! <laughs> yeah, getting a different gig that's around the same pay and I don't uh, to affirm what Glenn said I don't have to do a lot of work I will be driving okay. so fuck them 
Will Smith, My Other Black Joy. Everyone should watch a YouTube channel called Prem's Hood Cinema. It is fucking hilarious. And I'm looking it, it up right now. Prem's Hood Cinema. And basically, he does reviews of like classic hood movies. So, like Baby Boy and fucking like The Wood. And fucking, he recently did one for like a Hispanic movie, a Latina movie, Blood In, Blood Out. That was, shit was funny as fuck. Oh my God. Holiday he Heart? I'm on the page right now. Oh yeah, no. holiday heart. Fuck he is he did one for the uh, the players club. It is so fucking funny. But did he it review so Leprechaun f- in the Hood? Yo, I think I I think he did do <laughs> he, I oh, think he no. did do Leprechaun in the Hood. He did do Leprechaun in the Hood for Halloween. That's the one that, that's the one where they have fucking iced tea wearing that fake ass afro. <laughs> that shit was bad, bro. That shit was bad. And it was because they awoke in the leprechaun because the leprechaun had a gold chain. Someone stole his gold chain and it awakens him. And when you put it back on him, he goes back to being frozen again. We about to lose subscribers now. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this isn't for me anymore. <laughs> and, in, and, and in and in the, the movie, he he got drunk off of 40 ounces, smoked weed. I'm not joking. He had fried chicken nice. as well. I'm not joking. Duh. I am not joking. Oh, okay. I am not joking. You have to watch the movie. You have to yeah, watch right. it. It's brilliant. This is canceled. It is absolute <laughs> incredible. It's a cinematic masterpiece. It's up there with fucking, you know, I don't know, you know, Gone with the Wind or what? I don't, I don't know. Whatever, you know. <laughs> Just like okay. whatever you know, all the cinematic it's masterpieces right, that white right people up like there with Stanley Kubrick, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Face oh. Odyssey is brilliant. It's brilliant stuff. Yeah, it's classic. That's it, y'all. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks for sticking yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of of a thousand cuts, y'all. See, we got the spirits up some way. Talking about horrendous cinema. Y'all, thank y'all so much for the support, for the love that we've been getting over these past couple of episodes. We do have another prefigure episode getting ginned up, getting ready for y'all on the way. It is on mutual aid. So that is the solution to what we have. All the bullshit. Well, that's an aspect of the solutions uh, Uh to all the bullshit we have been talking about today on this episode. So please, if you are someone who has subscribed to our Patreon, first and foremost, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Please keep an eye out for that. And please just keep retweeting, keep telling people about it, keep spreading the word on all platforms, wherever you can. Remember, we are on SoundCloud, we are on Spotify, and we are on Apple Please, please, guys, just share it. Tell people about it. We've been getting so much traction, so much love. And, you know, hit us up with suggestions for topics, for things that we should talk about and discuss in the discourse, particularly surrounding Black issues, whatever it may be. Please hit us up. So, again, thank y'all so much. This has been A Thousand Cuts. I am your host, Demetrius, here with my comrades, Ashley, LaCase, and Glenn. We will see y'all soon. Peace, love, solidarity. See y'all. Peace out.